Welcome back to the reboot of Did You Hear This? Thank you for your patience, and after a few days of technical difficulties that took me offline, I'm back. There has been a lot of horrible news this last week involving racist attacks and gun violence throughout the U.S. In California, at the Garlic Festival, in El Paso, at the mall, and in Ohio, at an area of nightclubs that people just gather to have fun. The common factor? Angry young white guys wanting to get even. After feeling that their world has treated them unfairly. And each one of them had easy access to military-level guns designed to kill a lot of people very quickly. First, I'll start with some comforting words from our past president, Barack Obama. In a message released on Monday, August 6th, in response to the gun violence over the weekend, President Obama submitted this. Michelle and I grieve with all of the families in El Paso and Dayton who endured these latest mass shootings. Even as the details are still emerging, there are a few things we already know to be true. First, no other nation on earth comes close to experiencing the frequency of mass shootings that we see here in the United States. No other developed nation tolerates the levels of gun violence that we do. Every time this happens, we're told that tougher gun laws won't stop all murders and that they won't stop every deranged individual from getting a weapon and shooting innocent people in public places. But the evidence shows that they can stop some killings. They can save some families from heartbreak. We are not helpless. And until all of us stand up and insist on holding public officials accountable for changing our gun laws, these tragedies will continue to happen. Second, while the motivations behind these shootings may not yet be fully known, there are strong indications that the El Paso shooting follows a dangerous trend, troubled individuals who embrace racist ideologies and see themselves obligated to act violently to preserve white supremacy. Like the followers of ISIS and other foreign terrorist organizations, these individuals may act alone, but they've been radicalized by white nationalist websites that proliferate on the internet. That means that both law enforcement agencies and internet platforms need to come up with better strategies to reduce the influence of these hate groups. But just as important, all of us have to send a clarion call and behave with the values of tolerance and diversity that should be the hallmark of our democracy. We should soundly reject language coming out of the mouths of any of our leaders that feed a climate of fear and hatred or normalize racist sentiments. Leaders who demonize those who don't look like us or suggest that other people, including immigrants, threaten our way of life or refer to other people as subhuman 
or imply that America belongs to just one certain type of people. Such language isn't new. It's been the root of most human tragedy tragedy throughout history, here in America and around the world. It is at the root of slavery and Jim Crow laws, the Holocaust, the genocide in Rwanda, and the ethnic cleansing in the Balkans. It has no place in our politics and in our public life. And it's time for the overwhelming majority of Americans of goodwill, of every race and faith and political party, to say as much, clearly and unequivocally. Hate has no place here in America. In a story from the AP Newswire, protesters chant as Trump visits Dayton, Ohio and El Paso, Texas. Aiming to play the role of healer during a national tragedy, President Donald Trump paid visits Wednesday to two cities reeling from mass shootings that had left 31 dead and dozens more wounded. But his divisive words preceded him. Large protests greeted him and biting political attacks soon followed. The President and First Lady Melania Trump flew to El Paso late in the day after visiting Dayton, Ohio. A visit to the hospital where many of the victims from Sunday's attack were treated. For most of the day, the President was kept out of view of the reporters traveling with him, but the White House said the couple met hospital staff and first responders and spent time with wounded survivors and their families. But outside Dayton's Miami Valley Hospital, at least 200 protesters gathered, blaming Trump's incendiary rhetoric for inflaming political and racial tensions in the country and demanding action on gun control. Some said Trump was not welcome in their city. There were some Trump supporters, however. In El Paso, former Representative Beto O'Rourke spoke to several hundred people at a separate gathering. O'Rourke, a potential Democratic 2020 presidential rival, has blistered Trump as a racist instigator, but also told those in his audience the open way the people of his hometown treat each other is the way America could be viewed as the example of the United States. Emotions are still raw in both cities in the aftermath of the weekend shootings. Critics contend Trump's own words have contributed to a combustible client climate that has spawned death and other violence. Trump's motorcade passed El Paso protesters holding racist go-home signs, and Trump spent part of his flight between Ohio and Texas airing his grievances on Twitter, especially berating the Democratic lawmakers and Beto O'Rourke and the news media. It was a remarkable split-screen appearance for TV viewers, with White House images of handshakes and selfies juxtaposed with his angry tweets and comedic insults. Trump and the White House have forcefully disputed the idea that he bears some responsibility for the nation's diversiveness, and he continued to do so on Wednesday. My critics are political people, Trump said. 
He also defended his rhetoric on issues including immigration, claiming instead that he brings people together. Some 85% of U.S. adults believe the tone and nature of political debate has become more negative, with a majority saying Trump has changed things for the worse, according to a recent Pew Research Center polling. More than these, more than three quarters, 78%, say that elected officials who use hatred or aggressive language to talk about other people or groups make violence against those groups or people much more likely. Holding a sign that said, you are not welcome here, Linnell Graham said she thinks Trump's response to the shootings has been insincere and weak. He comes off to me as fake, she said. Also in El Paso, more protests awaited. Raul Melendez, whose father-in-law was killed in Saturday's shooting, said the most appropriate thing Trump could do was to meet with relatives of the victims. It would show that he actually cared if he talked to the individual families. The person that did this had the intent to hurt people. He already had it. But the words from our president certainly pushed it forward and gave him thought that it was okay to do these things. Despite protests in both cities, the White House insisted that Trump had received positive receptions. One presidential aide even tweeted that Trump was a rock star at the Dayton Hospital. The White House did not allow reporters and photographers to watch as he talked with the wounded victims, medical staff, and law enforcement officers, but then quickly published its own photos on social media and released a video of his visit. There was discord, however, in El Paso as Representative Veronica Escobar, the Democratic Congresswoman who represents the city, declined to meet with Trump. I refuse to be a prop, she said in an interview on CNN. I refuse to meet with a man who calls us all invaders. Though he has been able to summon soothing words and connect one-on-one with some of the victims, Trump often quickly lapses into divisive tweets and statements, just recently painting immigrants as invaders, suggesting that four Democratic Congresswomen of color should go back to their countries, even three of them are U.S.-born citizens, and one is a naturalized citizen. As the presidential motorcade rolled up to a 911 center in El Paso, it passed another sign aimed at Trump that just said, racist, go home. That's the sentiment that's being declared around here. And on his flight between one scene of tragedy and the second, Trump said he turned in as another 2020 rival Vice President Joe Biden exoriated him in a speech that slammed him as an incapable of offering the moral leadership that has defined the presidency for generations and fueling a literal carnage in America. Trump declared Biden was so boring and warned that the lamestream media will die in the ratings and clicks if Biden wins. That statement is completely not true.
Also, in other news that happened today, the largest U.S. immigration raid in a decade netted 680 arrests in Mississippi. U.S. immigration officials raided seven Mississippi chicken processing plants on Wednesday, arresting 680 mostly Latino workers in the largest workplace sting in at least a decade. The raids planned months ago happened just hours before President Trump visited El Paso, Texas, the majority Latino border city, where a man linked to an online screed about Hispanic invasion was charged in a shooting that left 22 people dead. On a day when we seek unifying words and acts to heal the nation's broken heart, President Trump allowed so many families and communities to be torn apart again, said Angelica Salas, executive director of the Coalition for Humane Immigrant Rights. About 600 U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement agents fanned out across the plants operated by five companies surrounding the perimeters to prevent workers from fleeing. In Morton, about 40 miles east of the capital of Jackson, Mississippi, workers filled three buses, two for men and one for women, at a Koch Brothers Food Incorporated plant. Those arrested were taken to a military hangar to be processed for immigration violations. About 70 family, friends, and residents waved goodbye and shouted, let them go, let them come home. Later, two more buses arrived. A tearful 13-year-old boy whose parents are from Guatemala waved goodbye to his mother, a coke worker, as he stood beside his father. Some employees tried to flee on foot but were captured in the parking lot. Workers, including Domingo Candelaria, who could show they were in the country legally, were allowed to leave the plant after agents searched the trucks of their vehicles. It was a sad situation, Calendaria said. Mississippi is the nation's fifth largest chicken processing state, and the plant's tough processing jobs have mainly been filled by Latino immigrants eager to take whatever work they can get. Chicken plants dominate the economies of Morton and their small towns east of Jackson. Based in Park Ridge, Illinois, Coke is one of the largest poultry producers in the U.S. with operations in Mississippi and five other states. The company didn't respond to telephone calls and emails seeking comment. Matthew Albentz, ICE Acting Director, told the Associated Press in an interview on Wednesday that Pearl, just down the road from the Coke plant, had the raids could be the largest ever workplace operation in any single state. Asked about their coinciding with Trump's visit to El Paso, Albiance responded, this has been a long-term operation that's ongoing. He said all raids are racially neutral and based the evidence on illegal residency. The companies involved could be charged with knowingly hiring workers who are in the country illegally and will scrutinize them for tax, document, and wage fraud. Bill Chandler, executive director of the Mississippi Immigrant Rights Alliance, called the terrible raids another effort to drive Latinos out of Mississippi, and he blamed Trump 
for fanning racism with his past incendiary comments about immigrants. This is the same thing that Trump is doing at the border with, with the Border Patrol, he said, referring to the increased crackdown on migrants coming into the U.S. Major immigration raids were common under President Bush, including one at a kosher meatpacking plant in Pottsville, Iowa in 2008 that resulted in about 400 arrests. President Barack Obama avoided these raids, limiting workplace immigration efforts to low-profile audits. Trump resumed these workplace raids, but with the months of preparation and hefty resources they require make them rare. Last year, the administration targeted a landscaping company near Toledo, Ohio, with a meat planting plant in eastern Tennessee. The former owner of the Tennessee plant was sentenced to an 18 months in prison last year. On Wednesday, a hangar in the Mississippi Air National Guard house in Flowood adjoining the Jackson Airport was set up to process those who were detained. Employees formed several lines, one for each workplace raided with fingerprint scanners and document printers at each interview station. Agents who arrived at the Morton plant passed a chain link fence with a sign on the company that what the company was hiring, but the workers' wrists were tied with plastic bands and they deposited their personal belongings into clear plastic bags. This will affect the economy, Maria Isabella Ayaya said, without them here, how will you get your chicken? We are, the corporations are fully cooperating with the authorities in their investigations and are navigating a potential disruption of operations. The company added that they, it participates in E-Verify, a government program shown to screen new hires for immigration status. No one answered the phone at Pearl River Foods, and a woman who answered the phone at PH Food declined to comment or identify herself. A phone listing could not be found for Morton Food. More on these reports later, as I'm sure it will continue, according to Trump's plan.